Welcome back to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore everything within the realm of spirituality and sexuality. Today, we are chatting about one of my deepest passions, BDSM. There are a lot of connotations and associations with BDSM. But at the root of it all, BDSM is the erotic, sensual, and sometimes sexual practice of bondage, domination, submission, sadism, masochism. There are worlds within worlds within this practice, but today we are going to talk about the spiritual element of BDSM. We will also be chatting with June St. Paul, who is a witch, shibari artist, BDSM practitioner, artist, and performer, and one of my best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, thank you for having me. So would you like to um, just kind of introduce yourself? Um, I am a performance artist and a producer. I do um, productions with events as well as some video work. I've been working recently a lot with um, installations, um, both with Dreamcatchers and with Shibari um, as performance and as still Um I practice witchcraft on a regular basis. It's been a part of my life since I was turned, you know, like 14 in puberty. Um, Pretty typical story, I guess. (laughs) So how did you get into BDSM? I got into BDSM originally through art. I was hired to do an art shoot for a collodion process, which is the old silver um, collodion process of making wet plates on a piece of tin. Uh, It was a nude shoot, art shoot, um, and I was tied for it. And it was uh, less like the light switch going on and more like the whole circuit breaker. (laughs) So from then on, I started looking into websites, which um, led me to events, which led me to the community. And that's how I met you through the BDSM community in (laughs) Los Angeles. a long time ago. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing with us. I'm wondering how does spirituality and sexuality intertwine for you? Well, for me, they've never been apart, really. I mean, I think that when I was younger, obviously they were, but as I became more in touch with my sexuality and when I came back to my spirituality, the practice of shibari, of tying itself, became very ritualistic um, in its nature. And uh, the more that I delved into it, especially with my female partners, um, you know, it, it became a prayer, it became a spell in itself. That's so beautiful. Thanks. (laughs) Which BDSM practices do you feel connects you most with your spiritual self? Yeah, rope. Rope. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That jute, though. (laughs) For sure. There's nothing that connects me deeper into my spiritual practice, into my ritual than uh, the use in rope with ritual, which is not always the case. Um, You know, sometimes when I'm tying, it's for performance or for play, Um, but often they come together as performance, play, and ritual, which is the best. I want to interject. So I've obviously seen you tie a lot, and I've also been tied by you, and I feel like a lot of your shibari is energy work. So would you like to like speak on how you connect to the person that you're tying and how you connect to the rope and energetically what happens for you? 
Yeah, I think that <clears throat> a lot of BDSM practices are based around energy exchange, the dominant and submissive roles, um, kind of uh, assigning an, an energy exchange flow. So the bottom or the submissive is um, giving while the uh, top is receiving or taking. Um, and I think that when uh, originally when I started playing with um, – just BDSM practices in general, I was really uh, taken by energy exchange. I was really excited by energy exchange, how that felt, felt really potent and powerful for me. And so when I started taking on rope from a top perspective, it was a really natural um, way to approach rope. Um, And spirituality with this like agreement coming into it that, um, that the person that I was tying was submitting, that that person was willing to go on a journey with me, um, not just physically, but spiritually and through their sexuality as well. Does that answer the question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I just have a question. I'm so curious to hear more about your transition from being tied to tying and has that been linear? Yeah, well, I think that it was mostly around the fact that I couldn't find the top that I was looking for. So Mm. I decided to become the top I I was looking for. Uh, It was a really hard process for me because I really identified from the beginning as like when I first went into the BDSM world, I was like slave, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, and I really, really, really identified deeply with submission. Uh, but I was going in those circles and going to events and community things and making friends and playing with a lot of people and having really amazing um, uh, experiences with the people that I played with. But I wasn't establishing a relationship in the way that I wanted with someone who uh, was just excited as excited about learning and um, and. Uh, experiencing rope the way that I was craving it Uh, so slowly after years of being tied I couldn't help but learn quite a bit from being inside of rope Uh, and then I started tying myself for self-suspension it was a release for a while Um, as far as like being a masochist goes like tying yourself is a lot of work it's like very tiring it's very you're investing a lot of energy and you get a release of that pain but you can never really drop into subspace obviously because you're you're hanging yourself you have to stay somewhat aware Uh, I got good at being in the dream state for myself but you know there's only so far down that you can go uh, until I started tying my friends um at first for practice uh, um, and for a long time service topping, but it eventually um, came around to my own practice, which was very much grounded in my spiritual practice. And do you still switch between or are you only tie now? Uh, I mean, like I almost very, I very, very rarely uh, am tied. I have uh my boyfriend I will let him tie me sometimes and it always turns into a lesson (laughs) every time um but we have fun getting through because we both switch really hardcore for each other Mm -hmm. uh so we're able like I'm we're able to like land in that space be like okay that okay just for one second I know that like I'm little girl right now but like pause for a minute and I'm gonna like learn you a few few things and <laughs> get a little toppy about it and teach him a few things and then go back to fucking and that's fun for us we're able to like flow for that 
Which is nice. So what advice would you give to someone looking to get into BDSM or witchcraft? Uh, it depends on how brave you want to be really i mean if you have a partner it's always good to explore those things with your partner first uh you know communication learn how to talk about it um learning how to talk about it is probably the most important thing um communication is so important but then getting into your um environment getting into your community finding events to open up your doors and and push your comfort boundary a little bit Absolutely. I totally agree with that. (laughs) So I'm super curious. Do you enjoy tying up men or women more and why? Uh, I think generally speaking, I prefer to tie up women. Um, Just like in a really general sense, because I do enjoy fully tying up both men and women and anything in between. and I think, but for ritual purposes, I find for ritual and performance purposes, I find that it's more uh, in line right now with what I have to say to tie a woman and to really uh, put an underline on my message of the relationships between women and how surrender and trust and intimacy can happen between women that's not necessarily the sexual in act okay so when I perform I want people to see that that almost sisterhood trust that has a level obviously of sexuality to it uh but that that that's like that's a part of the larger scheme of what I have to say right now. That being said, I love t- tying male bodies. Like it's really fun. It's a totally different uh, experience because their body moves differently. They are stronger. They're less flexible. Uh, they like to put it, I don't know, any other way, punished more. Uh, so they, <laughs> they, you know, they can, they can take a lot more mentally and physically. Whereas, <clears throat> Whereas with women, you have to be a little bit more delicate in my experience. So you get really different. I get really different things from tying, say, my boyfriend versus tying Leah. Uh, But both are amazing experiences from a personal standpoint. From a professional standpoint, I usually tie women. I love that answer. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for asking it. So a lot of our listeners might not be as well-versed in BDSM. So can you speak on what it means to be a switch and how you play with being a switch in your sexuality and your BDSM practice? Sure. So uh, a switch is someone who does both top and bottoming, submitting and dominating, uh, hopefully fluidly. And if you're lucky enough to find someone who matches your kinks and also switches, then you get really great dynamic uh, playtime. What was the second part of the question? Sorry, I just like lost myself in thinking about my boyfriend. It was like, how does that inform your Shibari practice, like your work as well as your professional, personal and professional life? So personally, I'm very much a switch. Personally, I live in a very fluid place. I'm bisexual. I'm a switch. I identify queerly, um, but I, off, I, when I perform, I'm dominant. That's pretty strict uh, 
definition for me in that in those moments just because I think that it's easier for the audience to digest when you're clear about roles so that they can clearly put themselves into um into the situation as well because people don't really understand switch right away so which is a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around especially if they have strong ideas about the way that men or women should identify so uh i find it uh to simplify the message to be dominant and plus when i have rope in my hand i just feel dominant (laughs) so that's the way that goes (laughs) And who, who was your main teacher for rope and shibari? Or multiple teachers? Uh, I've, I have not had a teacher yet in which I would want to identify myself with at this point. I've had a lot of people that I've learned from mm-hmm. and throughout the years and people that are amazing riggers and wonderful teachers but my biggest teacher for sure would be the people that I tie would be people like you Leah because oh. oh. <laughs> when I get to tie the same person over and over again um, with somebody that I trust, then I learn a lot about that person specifically and about how to, uh, specifically our uh, connection informs the rope that we're going to do. And that in itself is much more educating than going to a class and learning some technical things. And for those who are looking to get into rope, what would you suggest to them to dive in? Honestly, the best resource that I've found is either Facebook groups or FetLife. FetLife is really great for finding out all of the rope things that you can. You can also look up Ropecraft. Uh, BED is a wonderful um, Bondage Expo Dallas. Um, it's also a really wonderful, uh, did I say Ropecraft? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ropecraft, BED, those are the main ones right now. Uh, but there are a lot of like rope conventions. You know, you just do some research online and you can find lots and there's more and more every year. It's become really popular. So those are a great way because then you can go, you can go for three or four days and you can just learn a bunch of different uh workshops you can meet a lot of people in the community and you can start finding out for yourself what teachers that you really jive with and from there I highly suggest moving quickly into one-on-one because there's only so much that you can do in a workshop setting Mm -hmm. definitely I'm a little curious if you could speak to some of your most wonderful and maybe less wonderful experiences when tying oh good question Bella so let's see. Uh, I one of my less wonderful experiences tying was in the very beginning, or not in the very beginning, but I had been exploring rope for maybe a year at that point, maybe a year and a half, and I I was at Shibari Khan, which never which doesn't exist anymore, but it was really like the first big rope thing that existed for a long time and I was there and I was talking to someone random and they asked me if we could tie and I was you know baby BDSM little you know 
fucking cat ears and a lot of energy (laughs) 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 And, and agreed and he put me in a series of ties that were way too advanced for my experience which ended in a single cuff around my ankle fully tied inverted um and I like my like the way he tied it was not right for my body it was too extreme for the situation I I I mean looking back on it it just makes me shudder that I even agreed to do it without really like laying down okay this is my experience these are the kind of ties that I'm interested in what are you interested in having just like more conversation about it I I mean like we speak ad nauseum about communication and negotiation but in the beginning you just really don't understand how how important it is because you don't know how wrong it can go you know so I was like hanging upside down like by like a, a single ankle cuff like freaking out and like you have to take me down like you have to like full like everything is tied just one you know, ankle totally inverted, just flipping out, like envisioning somebody saving me by cutting me down. Like I just need to come down right now and telling this person that and him being like, okay. And just being like getting me down and like then trying to go into like some, some like aftercare and like slow rope. Like I had, I just went into full panic. And then he's like, staring at me in the eyes and like slowly taking it down and I'm thinking in my head as soon as I get out of this rope I am running away and that's what I did he was like trying to like do aftercare I'm like just leave me alone please leave me alone that was really hard but like a really potent learning experience for me like really really potent um and Oh, good experiences. I've had so many. It's actually, it's so much harder to pinpoint the hard (laughs) ones, really. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Good ones. I'm thinking about the recent picture on the boat. Oh, (laughs) that was literally a dream come true. Um, I had been for a really, really, really long time wanting to, uh, tie a suspension off the boom of a boat while it was underway with the sail up over the water and I got the opportunity to I did it to myself first I was terrified I was so scared I was so 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 scared but also thrilled that I was like just like okay I'm gonna just do this to myself I'm gonna put myself out here I'm gonna see how safe it feels and like what the situation was and I just like put myself into a hip harness and like got myself out there and went like upside down and I was like hand like touching water like as it like went up and down and the <laughs> sail is going and we're like in the middle of Lake Michigan somewhere it was just so dreamy oh my goodness and then I got to tie somebody else to that boom (laughs) and I had like this whole other high of like this person is trust me so much that they're willing to bind themselves in my rope over water you know underway like if something were to go wrong or really in hairy waters you know what I mean (laughs) so a little sticky situation but we did all like I mean it was the safest that I knew possibly how to make it and we had a lot of people like watching and there to like be at the ready um 
as far as dangerous situations go. It's pretty up there with intentionally dangerous things I've done, but probably not the most. Oh. The most the most dangerous rope thing I've ever done was definitely an underwater shoot where I tied rocks <sighs> to a girl's feet and had her completely bound. And she was completely submerged? Yeah. Oh, wow. For how long? Um, well, we, I mean, we worked at it for like probably an, like a couple of hours changing the tie and, you know, doing different situations and whatever, but she was a rock star. Wow. Maybe yeah. we can post some photos, um, on our social media of yeah. these beautiful images. Yeah, I want to <laughs> see them. <laughs> Definitely. So I think we, most of us have our own experience within the BDSM community, and I'd love to open up the floor to talk about BDSM basics um, so that any of our listeners can have some good fundamentals to take away from this episode. Um, so I'll go first. I was introduced to the BDSM community when I was 20. Uh, one of my friends was training to be a dominatrix, and I joined in, and I saw this girl getting whipped, and I was super, super jealous. <laughs> so I I don't know if sometimes I, I know that I'm going to be with someone when I see them, and I actually met my first dom that night and he was the one with the whips um so I identify as a submissive um also a masochist um I'm really into spanking uh spanking and implement play is my main fetish um though I do love rope and I love the DS dynamic I'm into DDLG which is daddy little girl which is um you know something we can talk about in a later episode for sure um but yeah bdsm has always been spiritual for me and i love the headspace that i can get into and i'm really excited to continue sharing more of um the spirituality within bdsm i love that um for myself, I actually got into BDSM through a previous Patna, though that was an extremely unhealthy relationship. I learned a lot about myself and my sexuality. So when that relationship ended, I spent some time completely solo. And this really speaks to my sex magic practice of exploring my sexuality for myself and for nobody else and deeply connecting with all of my darkest desires um i also identify as queer and my current partner is male and we have a ds dynamic and for me being submissive in a healthy relationship is the way i can most genuinely express myself as a person and my relationship to love it's how i actively express love for myself and for others I identify more as submissive and I think for me that self-care because it's I don't know I don't have to think as much if that makes sense like I I'm an overthinker and it's a time where I can kind of relax and let somebody take that over for me and it feels like a weight is taken off of my shoulders when I don't have to constantly think about every move I have to do because someone's like I'm gonna do that for you and I'm like oh this is really nice <laughs> it can be very meditative indeed yeah. you definitely were kind of reading my mind a little bit there too I 
I think that's definitely a big part of subspace is, you know, and I, I actually have said the same about, you know, shooting hoops in the driveways. You always, I always do better when I'm not thinking too much. Now, of course, one would want to be alert enough of their boundaries and of their safe word, and, and that, of course, it goes without saying. Um, but there is just a really mysterious, wonderful, like, drunkenness to the subspace <laughs> that is just, like, free-falling and soft blankets at the same time as like this the the comfort and the pain is like something that's so hard to put into words for someone who's you know truly a masochist and really just wants wants that um and so uh for me personally uh I got into uh BDSM both personally and professionally around the same time so I had very light, you know, my idea of rough sex, uh, you know, by about 20 kind of stopped at, you know, choking and spanking and, and things like that. And I hadn't quite gone further into anything involving um, devices or bondage or um, a true um, DS dynamic. Uh, now, about a decade ago, I began working in the porn industry. I've been out of it for about five years now. Um, but I, and during those five years, I performed with um, all genders, and I also did some uh, BDSM scenes for a few different websites. <laughs> and I really found what could be an amazing release for me, and I had no idea it was going to be uh, what it was. And um, especially rope has been uh, wonderful for me, but I also uh, I like certain implements and using those to release and I've had so many emotional breakthroughs like truly beautiful emotional breakthroughs where I've just sobbed and screamed and let it all out and it doesn't always have to be that sometimes it can just be fun and light and then other times you're like I feel like I just did shrooms and I've had this whole new like awakening (laughs) and like new like some like new message comes to light or something um so for me, like I've had everything from like these really good professional experiences to, you know, you meet these guys who, you know, saw Fifty Shades or they've heard of BDSM and they, I call them uh, mall doms, <laughs> you know, like the same way you think a mall, uh, mall goth. They're, um, you really, and the way Melody po- uh, pointed out that, you know, she couldn't find the right top for Shibari, so she became the top that she wanted. I did that um with uh with bottoming I just I needed to build my own daddy and so in the past with previous relationships I crafted what I needed out of a dom and realized that you really have to know bottoming to be a good top and uh this book the new bottoming book by uh Dossie Eason and Janet uh W Hardy has really really uh I haven't referenced it much in the last few years, but when I was first starting, it was such a great reference for me to get more comfortable in that space because there are some guys that, you know, and not just guys, people who will take advantage and um, do not practice BDSM safely. And of course, in other future episodes, we will dive so much deeper into this because there's a myriad of topics, but it's just really important, um, you know, to make sure you're practicing safely, you know, with consent and boundaries discussed beforehand. Yeah, that's the most important thing. And one of the things that I love the most about the BDSM community, um, you know, the vanilla relationships that I was in before BDSM were 
not necessarily always consensual Mm -hmm. and uh, there wasn't a lot of communication and I really learned how to stand up for myself Um, actually my first dom punished me because I told him that I let a guy take advantage of me and he like made me write an essay about it and then like spanked me and it was like one of the most amazing things to have someone um, kind of guide you through dominance to become a better person and to become a more empowered person. Um, so some of the tips I think we can share about kind of just beginning BDSM stuff. First things first is communication. Um, I love to either with a partner or just by myself, write down a list of likes, dislikes, curiosities and you can share with your partner and compare and see what you're compatible with um and it's a really fun fun way to start the conversation I love that idea and I think having really clear expectations of each other is so important in healthy BDSM and for myself I really agree with what you're saying in past relationships I've actually felt really taken advantage of from my a big part of my submission is service so I love to caretake with my partners and even just little things like bringing them water if I think they could stand to be a little bit more hydrated. And I think that if you don't have really clear expectations with your partner, some people will just take advantage of that without having a reciprocal nature. And perhaps the love language you express in isn't the same you receive in. And I think in a BDSM relationship when it's healthy, the expectations are there. So if one partner is doing more of the practical service, maybe the other is doing more, let's say, work in the bedroom. (laughs) I love those insights, Bella, and I love that you brought up silent service. I can absolutely relate to that. It's something that's so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you're not in a 24-7 dynamic, it can still be something where you're like, I just really want to do this without being asked because it makes me feel good and to be seen in that is so beautiful Mm -hmm. because that and like you said that might be your love language but maybe what you need is words or physical touch and not necessarily those kinds of gestures it's so true well I think specifically with a DS dynamic, so it's dominance and submission for those that aren't super familiar some people are really interested in the psychological aspects of it so feeling like you can really relax and give over that power and control to a partner whereas other people are more interested in perhaps the sensation aspects so which can lead into of course S&M and bondage but I think it's important particularly when you're starting out you can always escalate the intensity of your connection but you can't de-escalate it so starting with the psychological aspects can be a little bit more approachable I think for a lot of people I think it also uh, bears pointing out that a lot of people don't really realize even how they're Mm. engaging in psychological play when they're first beginning BDSM you know, and I think that's where some of the mistakes with communication can come in is because you're exploring something together and maybe don't know fully yet what those boundaries are and how you can like step on landmines mm. in the minds and not intend to push your partner too far. That's so true. Uh, you know. Yeah. As Phoenix was saying, uh, you mentioned just safe word and I want to say or safe words because sometimes it's so good to have multiple and I think for our beginners out there having a traffic light system is mm. so wonderful 
and you know amber or in america you guys say yellow right we, we call it amber <laughs> amber is like hey can you check in with me i need a minute mm-hmm. and but i can keep going with play yellow being i just need i mean sorry green being i just need to chat for a moment and red let's stop all play i need to suspend mm-hmm. it with the safe word topic, has there ever been a point where you kind of are a little bit shocked and frozen and it's hard to talk? Are there ways around this, like maybe hand symbols? Hand symbols are great. Also having an object that you can drop, particularly if you're gagged or bound mm-hmm. in a way you can't speak. I've been um, in situations where I've been like on a cross and not facing my partner and I can't move my hands and so we came up with like a a heel kind of lifting situation Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just so important to have this like conversation with your partner before engaging in these things and to like really slow down and have um, some foresight about what might go wrong and it's kind of scary to think about the worst case scenario but you have to when you're engaging in practices that aren't necessarily the safest they can be safe but you make them safe I think it's also important to point out that both people are responsible for knowing their boundaries it's not just the tops feel it's so hard I feel like there's so much pressure on on top identifying people to be able to read people's minds uh like she's talking about going into subspace so deeply that you're not sure where your boundary is that's still not my responsibility to know where it is you know if we get to know each other really well I'll be able to read that and that's something that we should be able to um navigate around negotiate around communicate about um and be forgiving when mistakes happen because it's not up to me to be able to read anyone's mind just as much as uh, from the bottom perspective I don't always know where my boundary is like and that's what makes it fun is like pushing those boundaries and sometimes and I've been pushed too far plenty of times and you just come back and be like okay there's my boundary I'll know how to talk about it faster um and be able to like really delve in deeper with your partner in that way but it's everybody's responsibility who's involved you know I feel that's so funny you're talking about boundaries and BDSM and I feel like that kind of applies to life too like you're not really sure about your boundaries with certain people even non-sexually and then you get pushed and you're like oh now I know this is where my boundary do you feel like this has made you a better communicator oh my gosh absolutely yeah 100% affects that absolutely I I I am so good at uh, as particularly uh talking to people about conflict where uh they've pushed a, a boundary of mine too far where I didn't know that it existed or it came up in a way that is really mundane you know so for example talking to my roommates about the kitchen you know, something really <laughs> mundane about that. Be like, okay, this is a boundary. I'm not going to be mad at them for pushing my boundary. I'm going to just communicate to them where my boundary is, what my expectations are, and how I'd like to go forward and be happy and communicative in the future. You're like, listen, this kitchen is yellow right now. <laughs> <laughs> Get out the way. I feel like it really does help not just, you know, your communication, but just your ability to be honest with other people and communicate your thoughts and feelings accurately 
And because, from a loving place absolutely, as well. Absolutely, because it opens your heart and it, it opens your mind to new experiences. And I, I believe I became even more empathetic Definitely. Th- through my BDSM experience. Definitely. At the beginning, I remember being really like, get worked up about consent and negotiation and boundary and stuff and as I've gone through my process I've been in the kink community or in the I've been living a kink lifestyle um for such a long time now that I feel like it's kind of come full circle where I'm just like really tolerant of of mistakes as long as they're not repetitive or as long as they're not like permanently damaging you know, because I've become really good at using my words and I expect other people to raise to the occasion and learn how to use theirs too. I think that's such a good point. And I also just want to add on safe words. A lot of people feel a little nervous about using them and feeling like perhaps they're not going to be like a good submissive or they're displeasing their partner and safe words are important to use. There's no point in having them if you're not going to use them. I had a really great experience with um, a boyfriend really early on with a play partner really, really early on who played with me specifically with the intention to get me to use my red, mm. my, my safe word to get me to say red. That's beautiful. Like he, he just kept fucking beating the shit out of me until I used it mm-hmm. until I'd had enough. And I was like, red. And he's like, you're such a good girl. That happened to me last weekend when I was, um, when I was in Vegas for the spanking party, um, my, uh, new play partner slash I don't know what we are um, he, <laughs> he did the exact same thing to me and he was like I just want to know what your limits are yeah and I'm going to push you and yeah. I was like I, will, I, I mean <laughs> yeah exactly and that's something with um, my partners now that I search for you know I, I poke at those edges like where are they like you know when we tie together and you tell me you have to come down I'm like great thank you <laughs> Because I, I need to know where those boundaries are in order to create trust for myself. Mm-hmm. I need to know where those boundaries are. Yeah. Um, I am so grateful that you were here for this beautiful episode and our first BDSM uh, exploration. Um, so I think we're going to wrap things up here. Is there any other final words we want to share about spirituality and BDSM? I would just like to take a moment just to encourage everyone that if you have that curiosity and you haven't dived in, just, you know, like we said, uh, do your homework, do mm. some, do some research, do some reading, J- join your community, whether it's on social network, Fat Life is great. There are so many resources out there. It's so dangerous to walk into this blindly, like blindly in a fun way, but not, you should be aware, like aware of what you're doing. Being blindfolded, that's another thing. We will talk about sensory deprivation on another episode. And I cannot wait because we will probably have so many more topics under the BDSM umbrella to discuss with you guys. So stay tuned for those in future episodes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And don't forget to have fun. (laughs) Have a great time using your safe words. Thank you for joining us for the Sex Magic Podcast. You can find us at sexmagicpodcast.com, on Instagram at sexmagicpodcast, or send us an email or recorded audio clip if you'd like us to answer your question live at sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>